Welcome to the Indian Science Show. I'm Turtle. And I'm Annie. And this is a podcast where we bring indigenous worldviews and western worldviews into conversations about science in Indian country. Today we're talking about being indigenous in the modern world. And first off, we're just going to go over some of the challenges that we see as we perceive them in our lives, but also a lot of the opportunities and benefits. And then we re- we realized that we actually have not given our three tips for being indigenous in the modern world, even though we uh, have been asking guests <laughs> or people we've interviewed. So yeah. we're going to also do that right at the end of the show. But one thing that we're going to, before we get into that, um, Annie brought up this really cool idea that we're going to start oh, doing yeah. from now on, basically at during every show. Yeah. So I have had a few uh hard weeks um just with my family and stuff and so one thing that i find is i am really into science and science makes me happy and so the other week um i was listening to a podcast and they made this comment about peafowls and i had no idea what a peafowl was and shows how ignorant i was on the subject of that because I assumed that peacocks were generally just everything. But if you look at a collective, both male and female, they're called peafowls. And peacocks are males and peahens are females. And then there's peachickies are the babies. (laughs) Peachickies? Peachickies. It's the cutest thing ever. (laughs) Like, why did I not? I'm going to start calling them peahens now. And peafowls. Like, I I wish I would have known. But... (laughs) I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And then it makes me think of like, I only looked at like peacocks because they're the pretty ones. Like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, their plumage is pretty. I mean, yeah. you can't deny that males are just a little more Like, it's curious about other bir- uh, birds in the family. Mm-hmm. Like pheasants and grouse, if they have, if it's similar, if like the males... It's like a something grouse, or uh, I don't know, or if they're all grouse, or if they just call them hens, because I always just called it a hen. I think. Oh yeah, I think so. I think I think the females are always hens, right? So yeah. that's a peahen, and yeah, peacocks, peahens, and peafowls, peachickies. That's one thing I wanted to bring up. So, uh-huh. what is your your science fact? It's about a childhood love of mine, which is bears, and. I have been dreaming about bears since I was a kid, and even now there's um, there's a story that I'm writing into my thesis about mm-hmm. one of my first dreams I can remember, which was about bears, and or it wasn't really about bears, but they were kind of the focal point of it. But the weird thing that just when I first came across this bit of this science fact that I'm going to share with you, it really I was almost. Uh, I'm not sure what the word would be. I almost want to say offended, but more like offended that I didn't know this already. Upset with myself or something. Like I was yeah. disappointed that I hadn't known this already about bears, but that they don't actually hibernate. That's so crazy. And I didn't find this yeah. out until college. Uh, I can't remember what class it was. I think it was either zoology or maybe it was in ornithology when we we're talking about hib- uh, um, what was it? Uh, 
hummingbirds Hummingbirds. because hummingbirds do. There's actually, so the way this is, is there's a certain set of terminology with hibernation. And so there's not just hibernation. There's like hibernation is kind of a specific thing. Mm -hmm. And there's other forms of it that are kind of similar. And what hummingbirds and bears do is called torpor. T-O-R-P-O-R, I think is how it's spelled, torpor. And I mean, it's almost like uh, that kind of, what is that called? Um, lumpers or spl- splitters and lumpers <laughs> of language. There, yeah. that, a lot of science is like that. There's kind of this general word that people use to describe kind of this thing that things. we're trying to understand. But the reality is, is that there's a lot of layers to that understanding. Mm-hmm. And as a scientist, that's a part of why I love science so much is each layer has a certain level of complexity that's different than another layer. And, but they all kind of interrelate. So torpor is like a mild form of hibernation, basically. Whereas true hibernators actually sleep and they will not wake up. Mm -hmm. Like you can be jabbing them with a stick or something or like blaring a horn, like a loud noise. It won't wake them up. Whereas torpor there, it's a lighter sleep and, um, it's really basically just sleep a lot is what it sounds like. So the, like if you were to go into a bear den mm-hmm. in the middle of winter and make a loud noise or push <laughs> it, wake mess up. It, yeah, it's going to wake up and it's probably not going to be very happy no. and be very, <laughs> uh, very, very re- uh, ready to do something about it. So what are some animals that do hibernate? There's, um, quite a few, but yeah, so I guess box turtles are, they hibernate and, and snakes. And then also bats hibernate and that, I think that's also something I was aware of. Um, but yeah, there's different levels and there's on the other end of the spectrum, there's the, uh, estivation, which is less, it's a similar response, but to heat instead of cold. Mm. So like in a really hot, arid environment, mm-hmm. certain organisms, I think especially snails will, uh, estivate. Which is those? I don't know if it's the same metabolic process, but I mean, it might be. But snails are very different organisms than bears and others. They're uh, mollusks, right? Part of anthropod, anthropoda. Do you know? I kind of remember some zoology taxonomy stuff, but I don't know. I might be wrong on that. If if I am, I was. You know, actually, I was thinking we could. I don't know if anybody wants this or if anybody would be interested in this. If you are, definitely like put a like or uh, do a comment about the idea of doing a corrections episode or like a like a short ten minute thing where we actually talk about some of the things that were wrong. Because I've been listening to some of our old episodes and there's a couple of things I said that I know weren't totally accurate. So I don't know. At some point, I think I want to either do that as a part of the show or do a mini episode where we're correcting things because that that's an important part of science is mm-hmm. self-correction and um and changing the way you see a situation and operate based off of new information which is cool it's like being wrong is a part of being a scientist yeah i mean definitely and which is cool i that's, guess i haven't yeah. re-listened but i guess i will and see if i need to make <laughs> any corrections yeah i um i didn't look into your stuff that much but I mean, I feel like I'm pretty vague. (laughs) Yeah. I bring up examples a lot. So I think maybe I'm more 
susceptible you're more, to being you're, wrong. You're more microscope. I'm more <laughs> yeah. telescope in this in this podcast. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So hibernation. It's yeah. much more. It's much more multifaceted and complex than I thought it was, and it's a cool little sciencey thing that I just wanted to share. With that being said, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely excited for science facts. Yeah. And I uh, like science. Facts. I like science. <laughs> so about facts. Um, they're so not that now, important, but they're cool. Now we're gonna talk about. Yeah. Now we're not gonna talk about facts anymore. We're gonna talk about theories. Well, I'm not gonna go that far. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, personal experiences, which I guess is opinions in the end. So could that—that's a theory in the end. Yeah, I guess it's a personal. Personal there, theory. Oh, huh, that yeah. Pretty much, there's all these different scales of revolution or revolution <laughs> of resolution that you can look at a lot of different things. And theories are different. Definitely <laughs> one of them. You can have like a personal theory, and a theory, as I I see it, is your best possible explanation and understanding of something mm-hmm. based off of the most relevant and recent information that you have access to. Yeah. And I can agree with that. So that can happen at a personal scale all the way up to like a macro resolution of like paradigm shifts and worldviews of a culture in a society mm-hmm. where uh, that kind of thing is uh, going on um see now i'm getting all telescopy um oh speaking of telescopes i'm gonna go I'm, i get to look through a telescope next week that sounds like funny you're telling me about it yeah telescopes are so cool it, that's one of the man it's so mind-blowing when you can see the moon super close up and you mm-hmm. see all the craters and you see the moon moving and stuff oh man Stars. Space is trippy. Space is trippy. Yeah. Space force. And it's just right there. I mean, it seems like a long ways, but it's really just a few miles right there, right? Straight up. Oh, yeah. Whereas, like, it seems, I mean, it's realistically Missoula. It's about as far away as Missoula is. And you're you're in subspace. Hmm. Going up. That's not far at all, right? That's like an hour drive. Would you rather explore space or explore deep ocean? Hmm. I don't know. I would do the ocean. Like, I want to see what is, like, lurking in the deep, dark ocean. You know what? I think I would be way more creeped out to go in the ocean. It would. It's so creepy. <laughs> it's so creepy. Like, when you think about it, like, yeah, it's the creepiest uh, thing ever. I don't know if I would... Um, I guess if I had the choice between... I would Honestly, I would like to do both. But I if know, I had the yeah, choice between yeah. one or the other, I would do space because of the weightlessness. Okay, that'd be, that'd be cool. Yeah, because like, yeah, I would love. Oh man, that would be so cool to float. To oh yeah, I mean, I my, definitely in my uh, childhood dreams. Floating would be. I would like to try it once. I don't know if I can do it the whole time. Hmm. Maybe it has. Maybe because because it's about as close as we can get to flying. And I don't know if maybe that's a. I don't know if that's a. Uh, everybody wants. Everybody to fly, wants to fly. I like, feel like whether or not that's oh, yeah. That's like that generic question of. What if you can have any superhero power? I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before. What would what would what would your superhuman like your superhuman power be? And like a, everyone, maybe not everyone, but most mm. people will have flying run through their head at least once before they say an answer. I would choose. I would probably choose one that's way more complex than just flying. But 
it would the ability would allow me to fly yeah i mean so like i think it's like that that cool thing that you see in movies and superheroes yeah. and like magneto can fly yeah. even though he can't like really fly, fly. like technically yeah he uh he totally does because he has metal boots right mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh i was thinking work. more like um have you ever seen that movie uh watchman the watchman it's like uh, about comic books, but yes. it's kind of like an adult comic book type style um, story. What's it's the dude with the changing face, right? Oh, Rorschach. Rorschach. Oh man, Rorschach yeah. is so cool. He might he was almost my favorite character, I think. But the blue guy, I can't remember Doctor Manhattan. Oh yeah, okay. He's my favorite character, and um, I, I envision maybe not being all blue like that, or, mm -hmm. but having that kind of ability to simultaneously exist in different times and mm -hmm. manipulate matter and time that would be so so then flying is like yeah mm. yeah i can fly <laughs> no big deal but i don't know i've thought about it very deeply actually and this, and i i it would be like a blessing and a curse mm -hmm. i believe to have that kind of a power so yeah. i don't know if i really would want it i think maybe i kind of would but maybe flying would be cool because i don't know baby steps i don't know if i could handle some super crazy superpower right just just something like going yeah. through walls uh, yeah huh. i keep i keep thinking about shows now uh, have you seen <laughs> that show heroes it's like a tv no, show where there's one. a bunch of different yeah. heroes with superpowers yeah but there's definitely ones that weren't Good. There's always that <laughs> that dynamic between superheroes is the good and evil, mm -hmm. bad. That's maybe that's why I really like. Uh, what is it? Not is it Marvel or DC? Which one? DC's with Superman and stuff, right? I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Marvel is with Spider Man and all those and Thor and all mm -hmm. those guys. So yeah, Mar uh, Marvel. Uh, it the black and white kind of good evil isn't so cut and dry. There's a lot of characters in that series of comics that are kind of both depending mm -hmm. on what's going on and i think the most recent one is thanos that i found i didn't even know about him because i've yeah. never read the comics but man it's hard to hate him but it's also hard to like like him yeah it's both like it's it's really hard because you you can see where he's coming from mm -hmm. you can't not agree with some of the things he says and uh yeah, so you just don't know how you stand about it. But I think that's really interesting because thanatology is something that I'm really interested thanatology. in. Thanatology. And and it, it's the same what thing. What is that again? You brought that up before. Um, it's I think we brought it in one of our episodes we yeah. didn't release. Because <laughs> um, it gets really dark. But it's just like, it's I death. Rem I remember. It's, yeah, yeah, so it's it's dealing with death and, and death and, and The study of death, right? Yeah. And, huh. uh, and it's something that people aren't comfortable with. And I feel like mm -hmm. Thanos is like a great example of you understand it, that totally but you makes don't sense. like it. Thanatology, <laughs> and the, his character really fits mm -hmm. that too. Exactly. Oh man, I, I don't really want to, if anybody hasn't seen that movie yet, I don't want to really spoil it or anything, but. Go see it. Yeah. I like it. And really think deeply about this character, Thanos, mm -hmm. because he's like the, the bad guy of the story, right? But yeah, it's really hard to totally hate the guy. Yeah. I because mean, of his message, I guess. And I think that's just like really cool about being individuals that you, you will see in here what you see in here. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think we agree on it on on that stance. Yeah, we agree on a lot, but there's definitely things we don't agree. Mm -hmm. 
Which and we what, have learned yeah. in a four-day road trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a car sure. together. <laughs> yeah, if you really want to get to know someone, either go on a long road trip or be roomies with them. Yeah. <laughs> like a road trip is a good first step. Being roomies is a whole nother thing. And man, yeah, you live with someone, then you really get to know what kind of yeah, person you do. you're dealing with. <laughs> but even then, you really never truly know anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, we struggle to know ourselves. Exactly. And I think that's a modern kind of, I think that's probably more of a modern problem than it is an indigenous thing. Well, I feel like it also can be an indigenous thing. I think that like. It's a human thing, but I think it's something indigenous cultures took care of. Mm -hmm. Whereas there's no rites of passage. I think that's a huge part of why identity crisis is such a huge thing in modern culture. I think that we need to bring back rites of passages. Oh, yeah. Like, I think there's people trying. So that's. I want to. I want to find out more because my aunt, um, she's over on the East Coast, mm-hmm. and they have a rites passage for for uh for a teen becoming a woman. Yeah, and it's like this really cool process. Like over a year, um, she has so many women in her life, and they give her a task, and then they help her fulfill this task. It just. I listened to her talk about it and I was like, I wish I had something like that when I was, when I was becoming an adult and kind of figuring out culturally where I like, where I was, where I wanted to end up culturally. It it felt like we don't have a guidance unless it's either through your parents, like really pushing it or I don't know, like, hmm. I guess I had the issue of. It's kind of like more find... of a reaction yeah, than like... it is like built into like, okay, now it's time for this. Mm-hmm. this. It's this time of your life now and this is what we do. Yeah. It's more like we come across these things or they're given to us when we've reached a crisis in our lives. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe I think that's a part of the colonization and assimiliza- assimilation. I've actually, this that reminds me, I know a large part of why young boys aren't sent out to do what we used to do is because elders don't. They don't want to send kids out to die mm-hmm. because it's a pretty intense thing going on, on a fast. It's like nothing. It's not a joke, but I mean, it was something everyone did. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, but I think that we it's are important. very colonized in certain aspects of. I was I was talking to my mom at that powwow and and she wanted to get my dad a war bonnet. And so she had talked to two of our elders and she was like, what are the steps that I need to get my husband a war bonnet? Because my dad is 30 plus years sober. He's a Vietnam veteran. He's worked for tribal gaming. He's worked for tribal housing. Um, So he has like all of, he's just got an honorary degree at SKC. Um, And so she wanted to know how to do it. And they both looked at each other and they're like, we don't know. Hmm. And so my mom then came up with this idea of how and have of and they they approved it and she she worked with the culture committee. And I think that that's like a big part of it is, you know, what do you do when you don't have that? It's really wasn't lost; it was taken away. Mm -hmm. And I know I forget that sometimes that even our like our generation, our elders, they had elders. Mm-hmm. And when their elders died, they saw the same thing that that the the irreplaceable wisdom mm-hmm. that goes. 
So, yeah, I know that's that's definitely another one of those layers why people don't why we don't have these um, um, coming of age ceremonies and these uh, rites of passage, some kind of a ritual to signal that okay, now it's time to start learning what it means to really mm-hmm. be an adult, to be grown up, to be a human. Yeah, because I think you see all of these Facebook memes saying that in high school they should they should teach you like economics instead, and then like oh. home they they should teach you all this other yeah like the different like skills. taxes yeah like the different skills and yeah those of, are important yeah for and sure. the, and I feel like that should be brought up in an indigenous sense as well uh-huh. like it, we need to find a way to kind of bring that back and and uh. Yeah, the really basic like incorporate skills. it into like a daily kind of thing and, and really get it back into not just a, like you said, like this one time of year, but really throughout the whole year mm-hmm. and, and really incorporating it. Hmm. It seems that each issue or each problem or each opportunity that I'm confronted with to somehow expand my learning or my understanding or create something mm-hmm. beautiful in the world there's always different uh, resolutions mm-hmm. or different scales that you that the the thing is existing on all the way from really fine detailed scaled stuff all the way up to a huge bigger picture type stuff and the same is true for exactly what we're talking about the well what I'm referring what we're referring to these rites of passages these these are ceremonies or there was, but that's only one component of it. There was a ceremony, but in a lot of ways, that's like a signal or like a something we do to begin that communication mm-hmm. with the natural world and with the spiritual world. So there's all these there's these other components to ceremony. It's not just mm-hmm. um, like a festival or like a party or, or a celebration or or a a ritual. It's not just the ritual. Mm-hmm. There's much more to it, and. I think that's a part of what has, why maybe some elders don't feel comfortable sending people out anymore unless like they really show that they can do mm-hmm. it, like they've like they're ready for it. Is that uh, a lot of that stuff just isn't passed down anymore, and it's not. I don't think it's anyone's fault. It's a part of that assimilation and colonization, mm-hmm. and how our education system doesn't teach any of that stuff, and how for like maybe in Western culture that. Like people, are, those memes you're talking about, how we need to learn economics mm-hmm. and that um, basic kind of home skills like doing laundry and how to do dishes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, that is important, but there's still that spiritual aspect mm-hmm. that's missing. And that's where the coming of age exactly. is. It, it, signal, it signals a change in your spiritual life also. Yeah. How, because our, it's, I feel like our spirits, uh, its expression is always changing as we're learning and evolving and growing. And it would be a shame if it didn't, honestly, um, if, if we just kind of stayed kids our whole lives. And I, I remember, I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. I remember that when I was a kid, I wanted to grow up. But once I started to realize what that involved, I was yeah, like, no, no way, I don't want that. I don't want to do any of that. <laughs> and I think what scared me was that there was all the responsibility. Yeah. Well, I mean, because you just look at adults and you think that they have everything put together. And then when you're an adult yourself, you're like, I have nothing together in my life. Mm. 
and yeah. <laughs> you're just like this is how adults have always been it's like if i would have known that when i was a teenager like i wouldn't have looked forward to being an adult so much huh. but like now that i'm here and i don't know i'm all in a good spot in my life right now so i'm just yeah. like i don't know I, I i wouldn't go back but i do definitely wish i had a different outlook on on, on my youth i guess and mm. and really kind of focusing on other things i guess priorities we were talking about this and priorities is is so hard when you i think i know that's one of my struggles is trying to find enough time in the day to do everything and yeah and it like it really made me think about how i spent my summer because we're now in august and we've been home for a while and did i really prioritize my summer how i should have done it did i maybe put a little too much effort into spending time with people you know it makes you think about what you want to do and and if you have and then you add ceremony into that like like your like your summer has been Mm -hmm. and you add powwow and you add all these cultural events that you want to do you do hiking Hmm. because we're in montana like everyone loves to hike and you have to go to these places to find plants and it's I have tough. a garden and I've I've dedicated a lot of my time to this garden and you know like how it, it I feel like the big picture is so hard mm-hmm. because you want to do all this stuff and then I want to create my own business for when I graduate so I've been like thinking about that and doing business plans and then we have this podcast and I want to put a lot of my effort into it because like I really love this podcast and priorities priorities and setting priorities right that's setting priorities yeah that's such a that's a huge challenge for probably everybody i think um Mm -hmm. but i don't know i've i haven't gone and visited all the different indigenous cultures around the planet that are actually living in a relatively unbroken environment and still living a lot of their old ways and stuff so i don't know what priority setting methodologies are like in those communities but I know for uh, people in this culture, it's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. And people here on the res, young native people, man, it really does seem to be the crux of the issue is actually deciding to grow up, mm-hmm. deciding to be a warrior and to be become a man or to mm-hmm. become a woman. And yeah. um, I think and that a, it's there's a lot of layers to that problem, too. Yeah. I mean, to that, it's really it's, maybe it's not a problem. It's a challenge, right? Yeah, and that's why I think the warrior movement is so cool, because mm-hmm. it's just like these really, really amazing high school boys. So you're talking about out of Arlie? Yeah. Yeah. That are really, really pushing to make a difference with suicide and and suicide awareness and mm. really raising uh, attention. That's, that's really awesome, especially they're yeah. from young people, young mm-hmm. men. That's, I think that's awesome. And I'm I think, inspired. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because coming from the res, you you prioritize time. I feel like a little differently than you do in, in say L.A. or even Syracuse. We I prioritize my time a hundred percent differently in Syracuse than I do here. Mm, yeah, and uh, there's got to be a balance, though, right? Because mm-hmm. we still got to get. I mean, yeah. we got to get things done. And we do. But that that's really hard though. Uh, during the summer, especially here, not just because it's a res and there's powwow season and it's ceremonies, 
mm-hmm. but but also because it's tourist season yeah. and um and it's summer and summer in montana is one of the only times of the year you can actually go out and do <laughs> recreational activities before it gets freezing and super snowy and the well, now it's get all, all smoky and you don't want to be outside. yeah exactly so yeah so it's uh it, yeah it's tough and, but i mean yeah, yeah it, 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 there's a lot i think one of the things that i find most interesting about it is that that's really where indian time comes from mm-hmm. is that shifting priorities throughout the year depending on what season it is mm-hmm. so that is going to be our challenge as grad students in this program is to try to at least i think i'm going to write into it kind of my thinking about it i've been trying to write as much as i can about how that works as a student in a modern academic institution that is very very different from the learning that would have been done by our ancestors mm-hmm. So it's a huge, yeah. that's a major challenge is priority setting and how do you do that? Like when there's so many conflicting values, like mm-hmm. there's two conflicting, I mean, at least two conflicting value systems going on here between Western and the indigenous, but then there's the different cultures too, mm-hmm. the three different cultural groups here. And that that's true on so other reservations as well. Yeah, different confederacies. Uh-huh. So... Yeah, huh. I mean, there's we there is a lot of struggles that you can definitely face in in this modern world mm-hmm. where it's hard to kind of maneuver sometimes, especially trying to like incorporate everything into your life. Mm-hmm. And I know it can be overwhelming, and I know I feel it trying to incorporate everything I want into my research and kind of really the, the evolution of my research is. Uh, time consuming. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah. At a certain point, I realized I just kind of had to let go and let it unfold when it was all right to unfold. And there's still I got a lot. Of, I got a lot to get done before we go back next uh, next January. January, yeah. But at the same time, I I feel good about it mm-hmm. because mostly because the way I did it. Not necessarily because of the results I have so far. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that's a whole other story. That's a long story, actually, mm-hmm. because it, it involves what's happened. I mean, there, there's no escaping like the ceremonial life and the spiritual life and then the family life and uh, all these different layers of being indigenous in the modern world. Mm-hmm. It's I almost want to stop saying that because it's starting to almost it's like sounding like a cliche to me. <laughs> And a little bit cheesy, but we do say it. A I don't lot. know if, but don't that's know if because, there's a better like, way to say it. Really, we talk. I mean, being it's very concise. Yeah, accurate, well, I, I mean, think. I think it's true, and because it's tough, and there's these tough. challenges. Yeah. What was the first one we talked about? I can't. I kind of can't remember. We just got done. I mean, the priority setting. I think a, like research, like how we did our research, and we talked a little bit about our research projects, which mine now is obsolete because. I was thinking like way in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, it was about our research. The first episode? I'm pretty sure. I was thinking the beginning of this episode. Oh. That very first challenge we talked about. Oh, Right after we did the facts. Because I know we said we talked about more than just the uh, priority setting. Um, And I... I, Oh, well. (laughs) I guess uh, 
maybe it wasn't that much of a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, there, there's a lot of different challenges, and I think they're unique to different communities. Mm-hmm. So if anybody out there listening has any tips for us, I guess, about how you guys are overcoming decolonizing or colonization or like the uh, re-indigenizing or whatever phrase you're using to go back to the ways of the land and our ancestors. Uh, If you got tips for us, I would love to hear them because Mm -hmm. I know that not only do I really love to hear other people's perspective, but I feel like we all have a message and we all have something to teach each other. Mm -hmm. And that when indigenous people can come together and we can start creating together maybe that might save everything Mm -hmm. or that's my hope that's my kind of superhero kind (laughs) of oh yeah we were talking about superheroes weren't we yeah we we did talk about superheroes and how um you know what rites of passage rites of passage that is a very big challenge that's really important (laughs) we almost totally forgot about it or we i guess we We, both kind of came back around to it yeah that's you know that's a really that's something that are they related to the rites of passage and heroes? Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, you're living that hero experience mm-hmm. by going out and ch- putting yourself in such a vulnerable, challenging state. And d- different cultures have different forms of it. Mm-hmm. I think then the problem with modern culture is it's not challenging enough. The versions that do exist, like getting a car. Or being old enough to buy cigarettes mm-hmm. or buy alcohol or go to the military. I think the military is maybe the only equivalent of a fast, for example. Mm-hmm. That's just one example. Because um, it does, it's very paradigm shifting for people. And it's challenging enough to put them through that process of like the hero's journey is the way uh, Joseph Campbell mm-hmm. describes it. I think he was a sociologist of the like kind of a Western tradition like. But he they they looked at he looked at other cultures, but I think since then some of his ideas have been refuted by uh, some psychologists. But there's certain principles that still hold true, and this idea that we go through this this process and a hero's journey is just one way of saying it. Every culture has that. It's really I think that's represented in the indigenous cultures as mm-hmm. the coming of rights passages, where in a lot of ways we become our own hero, and we prove to ourselves that we can take care of ourselves and we have something of value we have like a mission in the world so i encourage people to at least think about that and talk to your elders talk to people about it but be careful because it's no joke and it's nothing to take lightly but it's important and Mm -hmm. i I believe this is something we need to bring back for the young people um and it, it although it's no joke it's also something that it's in our blood our people have been doing this for thousands and thousands of years so we can bring it back i know that but with that being said what was the oh yeah and priority setting and so i mean that again that comes down for a lot of people going out in the middle of nowhere and not eating or drinking water for like four or five days Mm -hmm. that's not a big priority on their list and so that's shifting priorities it's it's tough but with all these challenges, there's a lot of opportunities, I think. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of yeah. power and healing in our in our ways and in our indigenous wisdom and the knowledge that comes from the land. I know this is something you talked about. And even our last episode when you were talking about the food sovereignty and the Onondaga women, I think that that was one of the first things I thought about. 
Yeah, it's uh man. Connecting to land is just such a big important issue. And uh I mean I definitely want to have a whole episode yeah. where we talk about it because I could go on and on uh Keith Basso. Um I could talk oh, yeah. about I could talk about all of his stuff all day long. Um he's a great writer. Um also works a lot with, with Apache and, and how they connect to place and, and really how important it is. And I mean, that's another challenge being in this modern world is we now have all of this technology to go other places, Mm -hmm. to see other cultures, to, and that's where I think I have a struggle of mine is, is really understanding how there are tribes that are struggling a lot more than our tribe, than, than CSKT, and really wanting to help these tribes that are wanting help and, and, and giving them an opportunity and, and then I see my research that's that is extremely important that I feel like it's important, but but could my time be going to something else that that could be something better? And uh, uh, you know, and then that that's like a struggle, and and just prioritizing my time now is my research and and really understanding how I can save some of this knowledge for my people. Hmm. That gets you me know? thinking about something very specific from Linda Smith's book, the decolonizing methodologies. Mm-hmm is following a research an indigenous research agenda yeah and the word agenda in my opinion has that innate connotation that the timeline and the tempo Mm -hmm. are considered and if it's indigenous it needs to follow what at least what i've learned to call the seasonal round yeah. Do you remember the cycle? Do they call it the cycles or the? Uh, uh, I can't remember what Neil was calling. I think it, the it's cycles the seasonal, the seasonal round. cycles. No, th- he wasn't calling it the round over there. They had he had a different term. But there's, I mean, we'll have a different way of saying it. But this idea of fitting into the mm-hmm. cycles of nature, yeah, and doing our best to do that, and that's like that's our responsibility, mm-hmm. and that it's really important to be not just be aware of rights. I think rights are, I mean, they're important, but I don't think they're as important as accepting and acknowledging our responsibilities yeah i think that is far more important not only to like how your effect in the world but how happy of a person you become because you you fulfill your responsibilities as you see them Mm -hmm. and you feel pretty damn good about yourself i don't know about you but that's my experience Mm -hmm. how about you that and i think that's like growing up is that maybe how what you like about growing up is when you actually do a good job with your responsibilities. Yeah, I mean, like... And then it sucks when you don't, right? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, like, who... I'm super proud of going to grad school and staying in this program that in itself is, is a new program and it's hard. It, it's been hard. The, mm-hmm. This this grad program has been hard. Um, But I think that's what we were talking about earlier is, like, how that it is a struggle, but, like, just the fact that we have this opportunity is amazing in itself. And, yeah. and, and I think that that can't be overlooked is opportunities are out there. You just have to look for them mm-hmm. and then really not being afraid to take it. And I was scared for this graduate program and I still am. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's, it's still a little terrifying. Um, yeah, it's just like I feel yeah. like I just learned how to deal with it, the uncertainty, and a little better. <laughs> yeah, you, you you handle stress all the time, mm-hmm. a little better each day. And I think a lot of my tips that I've learned have come from being off the reservation and 
my experiences coming back in and kind of grasping a new cultural identity for myself. Yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree. I've learned a lot by leaving, especially for an extended period and then coming back. It I think that's good for anybody. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're from a res or not because it what it really gives you the perspective of what you have mm-hmm. back where you do come from, but also what you don't have. And it there's very few ways, other ways to learn things beside that being able to experience something and have that experience to contrast mm-hmm. what you've experienced before, like so you can compare it. Exactly. So you can just compare your ideas with each other. Um, that's a yeah. This is kind of cheesy, but I really believe this that every opportunity, I mean, every uh, challenge or every problem, every failure you experience in life is really an opportunity. Mm-hmm. in disguise to learn and to grow and to be, just become a better person exactly so, like i yeah. think you should always learn from any lesson that mm-hmm. you do like it no matter what it is if, if that's what i've been working on is negative interactions that i've had and trying to grow from them and, and really how do i become a better person but i mean that just is like an everyday thing yeah, it, yeah. I, I would say that's probably an everyday thing for your whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm not old yet, so <laughs> maybe I'll get wise someday. Maybe, <laughs> and, maybe one And day. something will click and I'll be like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> maybe it's not like that. But that gets me thinking, though, that the the three tips thing, mm-hmm. I really like this idea of tra- of asking people about their three major tips for being indigenous in the modern world. Which is a really tough question to answer. It is. Uh, especially on the spot. So I try to give people a little bit of warning so they can think about it before they come on the show. But yeah. we've had the privilege of actually <laughs> discussing it at length. For almost months. for like <laughs> yeah, on an academic level, on an informal level, spiritual level. I mean yeah. so many different levels. So I still didn't really think about my three, so I'm I'm we, curious to see what they one are. At a time? Should we do one one at a time? Actually, no, you can go ahead and do yours. I'll I'll go last unless you want me to go first. Well, I mean, I don't I don't really know all of my. OK. OK. Oh, you only got one. Well, no, I got I got multiple. Maybe more will come up. But um, if not, uh, I think kay. I got. Yeah, I got one. So my first tip is. To either become an indigenous educator on a collegiate level where you can teach indigenous students or Mm. if you're an indigenous student going into college or university find an indigenous teacher Mm, okay oh so seek each other out seek each other out in academia yeah because that's a good tip i like that i spent a lot of time i went to the university of hawaii where it's very very diverse Mm -hmm. but no native teachers hmm. and so well it's the one that i had when i was there yeah. now now there's so many that i wish i would have like found those people and took their classes and learned from them because they're there you you have to seek them out and being in this this grad program where we have robin and we have neil but then we also have elizabeth and colin and Stuart. 
mm-hmm. who really have worked with indigenous communities and, and know how, but they, it, it's just a whole new way to look at education. And I see my cousin Mikey, who who is a very, very strong indigenous woman educator who just got her doctorate. And if more teachers were like her or the teachers that we have at SUNY, how different my 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 schooling would have been and i think it's important for not only for people to seek out for students to seek out but for students to become those teachers yeah that's a tough one because although i'm in academia now i don't necessarily want to stay in academia yeah and go for tenure and all that stuff i don't Um, know if i want to either i'm more interested in having a business and Mm -hmm. consulting and doing research that way. I feel like there's more freedom and in a lot of ways, academic institutions we're lucky in the sciences because in a lot of ways, our research is, is still very much about truth and can contribute to a lot Mm -hmm. of change, but still it's, it's being affected by this kind of modern outlook of like, there's no such thing as truth. Yeah. As like all truths are like, I'm not sure how to describe this, but because I do believe that there's value in all ways of seeing in all ways of knowing yet at the same time, the value isn't necessarily in that we need to include it into our society. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's something that just sucks and it's horrible and you need to get rid of it immediately. That's what happened with the Holocaust and eugenics. It was a part of society and it was a culturally accepted thing. And then people realized how fucked up it was and still trying to get rid of it because I'm sure there's still plenty of people out there that would believe that Mm -hmm. uh, eugenics is a good thing. But really, it is still kind of acceptable because of the whole kind of designer baby thing and this idea that we can go in before people are born or... uh, what what is it um like in vitro fertilization mm-hmm. things like that it's we're effect, we're affecting our breeding rates and we're affecting who does and does not have babies so that's eugenics except the ethics the worldview that's guiding it is different now so that's i think that's something that i really can't i think that's one of the most important things is uh, mm-hmm. mo- moving forward being indigenous in the modern world and being indigenous scientists is doing whatever we can to to live in our own lives but also to affect in the outer world that shift in that worldview to one that respects mother earth because that's the biggest struggle right now that we're facing in a lot of ways that's where a lot of the political upheaval is coming from is this long distancing from that relationship with mother earth so in any way we can go, go to back to that i think is that's a good thing hmm what were oh sh- um so yeah the pro- academia that's tough though because yeah I think that would have been my tip though is to like I guess just uh, I don't think I really gave a tip did I I just rambled I just <laughs> ranted for, for like five minutes yeah should I do my next tip or do you yeah. want to do a tip did, uh, cool so you got your next one let's hear it um so my wait ne- do you have all three because you uh, can just tell them all I'll be quiet. <laughs> So my next tip is probably to to travel. Don't be afraid to go somewhere. Um, 
learning whole new experiences and, and new cultures opens your eyes in, in a way that you can't see from a movie or YouTube videos or anything like that. Really, my life has, has changed because I had the ability to, to go all these places and, and to come back home and to realize what is truly important in my life. Hmm. And uh, so tip number three for being indigenous in the modern world is uh oh man don't be afraid to find a so if you want to go back into your culture and you're scared of how to do it don't be afraid because no one is going to shut you out no one's going to tell you you can't do it and also don't be afraid to find cultural people that you connect with who maybe not necessarily aren't elders. There's a lot of people in that community who know so much about the culture that you don't have to be scared to go to an elder. Mm-hmm. Seek people out. People want to help you. And and really, it's up to you. And, and people have the resources. And I think you should use them. That's that's my, my, my three tips. Cool. I, I really like... I pretty much like all three, but I really especially like those first two, the like seeking each other out. That's something mm-hmm. that I wasn't really thinking about. And I I feel like I took that for granted over at Syracuse because maybe because we had indigenous instructors and we were already so close to some indigenous people already. Mm-hmm. But that's something that I don't want to continue to when I know when we, I go back, I want to reach out and just meet people, learn from learn more. I guess for my tips, the first one that I that comes to mind is something that is really a tip for myself, something I learned quite a while ago now. And I'd really started taking seriously when I was, I think I was about 25. And what it was is I realized that if you don't know why you're doing something, you can't do it. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. What well, would be a, you, it, you're going to run out of willpower and you're not going to have that drive that it takes to really make a difference in your own life and the lives of other people. Mm -hmm. So knowing why is so important. So I just, I I would encourage people to just dig deep inside you and maybe even ask some of your Mm -hmm. elders, ask people you trust about that. How do you figure out why you're doing what you're doing? And I think the best way to do that is to define your responsibilities Mm -hmm. with clarity to really clearly define your own responsibilities to yourself and to your community and to the larger world and then live that. And then you'll, you'll know why you're doing what you're doing all the time. Mm -hmm. And that is a life of purpose and a life of purpose is there's actually a lot of really interesting research on this subject, how purpose and culture are so intimately connected and how that really comes down to that sense of value and meaning that you have and what you're doing and the direction you have in your life. And I mean, there's so many ways to say it and there's a lot of new agey stuff out there and a lot of help self-help stuff out there. That's, I mean, there can, I mean, you can get good messages and that stuff, but there's not that much. I think it needs to be grounded in culture mm-hmm. in a cultural in some kind of an identity. And it can be dangerous if it's just a group identity. So how you identify with your culture Mm -hmm. and that why, that's, I think, really important. 
So that's a really long, convoluted way to say, figure out why, why you're doing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I get the, my second one. It, in a lot of ways, it's a, a build, builds off that first one. But when you get up every day, what do you do? And what is that guided by? And I feel that having discipline is something that's really misunderstood. And it, it's not about willpower. In a lot of ways, it's your disciplines that give you willpower. Mm-hmm. Having those things that you do every day because that's who you are. And you know that. And even if you miss a day here and there, oh, well, whatever. But the point is is to keep going back to that discipline. And over time, it can take a few weeks, a few months, maybe years. depends on what your goal is. But over time, this discipline and this daily practice is what it is, whether you feel like it or not that changes who you are mm-hmm. and that over is really what gives you willpower is when you line that up that why you're doing something and your responsibilities you get that lined up with your daily disciplines what you do every day no matter whether you want to do it or not that's really really powerful and i know for my own self that's how i was able to start ter- taking care of my own nonsense mm-hmm. my own bullshit and able to start to get on top of, top of my life and try to become a better person was I did that. I figured out why I was doing what I was doing and I realized I can't do this. This is that's when I was in drink. I was like drugs and alcohol and that was mostly it. I didn't really do that much other bad stuff. Mostly just drugs and alcohol. <laughs> uh, I wasn't that much of a criminal. I'm not going to talk about my criminal record, but that's public if anybody wants to look i guess, <laughs> I guess anybody and, and it all involved i guess the only time i ever did go to jail was for being drunk for having for having i had a bag of weed when i got pulled over one time but the reason i went to jail for that actually was because i had a no insurance ticket <laughs> and it was and i never paid my i never paid my warrant oh. uh, so i definitely recommend if you do get tickets just pay your warrants pay your tickets it, it's so much simpler you don't i gotta go to jail you don't gotta get busted with a bag of weed <laughs> in your pocket um, but anyways, that's a long, that, that was a long time ago. That was back in 2009. <laughs> I haven't been arrested or in jail since crossing my fingers. You never know these days. You know, <laughs> cops and pol- politics are crazy. And who knows what will happen? But anyways. Tip number three. Yeah. Tip number three is don't be afraid to speak your mind and to be weird. Mm-hmm. Don't be, and a lot of that kind of has to do with being yourself, but just telling people to be themselves is useless advice. Yeah. But to just speak your mind and don't be afraid to be weird. Express that weird side of yourself and be goof, being goofy. I think weirdness and goofiness are mm-hmm. kind of a part of the same thing, but having, exercising that feels really good, even if it's awkward and it feels uncomfortable. Again, it's a way, one of those disciplines that, you teach yourself over time that it's okay and people will accept you still and they'll still love you even if you are weird and even if you are goofy right um but there's a there the mo- there's the other side to that and it's equally as important as the expression of the weirdness and the goofiness is paying attention to other people and how they're responding to it mm-hmm. because you can always go overboard and no matter what i mean we're humans mm-hmm. we're always going to make a mistake especially when you're trying to make a change in your life so being weird and goofy, allowing yourself that space, but paying attention to other people and actually 
um, taking it serious if you make a mistake and in a as as non-judgmental way of shaming yourself actually come down on yourself and make that shift in your life mm -hmm. so being expressive i guess is what i'm saying and not allow and not being afraid to just go out there and express your weird or your goofy side mixed with empathy and reflexiveness where you're actually thinking about what you're doing and how people uh, you're affecting other people and then responding and just trying to be a better person i guess but anyways you should always it, always yeah. make it better you should just always like what, what is it person. wherever you go you should always leave it better than it was mm, i really like that saying yeah. i've heard that before and yeah, especially with people too. <laughs> yeah, I think Whatever. that's talking about trash, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think leave, it, I think leave it, no trace. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it goes. I think it, you can definitely kind of have that add towards towards people too. Is mm -hmm. man, just just let everybody be happy. Yeah, leave everybody better than you found them. Mm -hmm. I think I heard Jordan Harbinger. Man, I uh, that's another podcast I really like. He used to be on the Art of, Char Art of Charm, but now he's on the Jordan Harbinger show. He started his own show. Nice. And he's a really great interviewer, and I like him quite a bit. And that's one of the things he says is, uh, leave everyone better than you found them. Mm -hmm. I like that. That is a good one. Uh, okay, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my three. That's my three. Your three. I think uh, those are probably going to change the more we talk about this and the more we hear from other people, too, I bet. They'll be like, oh, yeah. But that's the nature of life. Mm -hmm. It's always changing. <laughs> 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 i think when yeah my kids just came back and i think someone just dropped a bunch of pans downstairs <laughs> i think that's the the signal the signal to to wrap it up yeah. so you can uh what you can find us at uh any podcast platform such as itunes google play stitcher mm -hmm. there's a bunch of them yeah so we're, we're, so we're there indian science show yeah i believe we're pretty much on all of the main mm -hmm. platforms. If we are on a podcast platform or a place where you get podcasts, um, or if we're not on a place where you get yours, let us know. And we'll yeah. definitely make sure to get our podcast on there so yeah. it's easier for you to listen. Give us a like. Give us a comment. Oh, yeah. If you review us, it helps us out a lot. And yes, reviews can, are so important. Definitely need all the review and downloads we can get. Mm -hmm. um, Especially on iTunes. Mm -hmm. So the more reviews we can get on iTunes, the better. And you can also find us on our social social media, which is going to be Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Indian Science Show. So NDN Science Show. I, re I realize it almost sounds like you're saying sign show. Science. You know what? My, one of my kids brought science. this up that our logo, on our logo. Yeah. It almost looks like it says the non-science show. Non. Yeah. yeah I mean, because it's, it's Indian, the way the text kinda. is. Kind of. They, uh, almost every one of my kids said, is that, say non-science? And we, I thought, we, I like that actually. I thought, hmm, yeah. the non-science show. You can take it however you <laughs> it's want. It's kind of ironic <laughs> a little bit. But yeah, the end, Indian science, it's kind of hard. It's almost a tongue twister with all the S's. Yeah. Indian science show. But yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. And this will be a recurring theme. I'm not sure when the next time we'll release what is B, yeah. the acronym is BIMW, being indigenous yep. in the modern world. But hopefully, I would like to bring on a guest to talk about that because we've been talking about it plenty. Yeah, we've and talked about it a lot. 
I know that there's people that have a lot to say about this, and uh, especially people that are way smarter than us. So. <laughs> we, as usual, we'll have a bunch of our any of our things we brought up in the show notes, as well as some additional resources if you're curious about some of the subjects we brought up. We're scientists. I at least like to share as much information as I can, and I think that sharing information is important. Mm-hmm. Where you learn stuff, that I think that's important. So check that out if you want to. (laughs) I don't know how many people are going to actually read all that stuff. Anyways, it's a nice exercise for me, training my citation skills, my citation muscles. This is Turtle and Annie Annie. signing off for the Indian Science Show. Till next week, man.